Hi, I'm John Byrne with Quants and Quants. Welcome to our podcast series on the Mendoza College of Business at the University of Notre Dame. Today, we're speaking with Chris Atkins, who is an associate teaching professor in the management and organization department and the executive director of the Notre Dame Deloitte Center of Ethical Leadership. Welcome, Chris. Thank you for having me, John. Absolutely. Now, everyone who knows anything about Notre Dame and Mendoza knows that ethics are really an important and core part of the MBA experience. Tell us how that manifests itself in the classroom and in the environment. Sure. So in our very first orientation, we spent an entire week on something called integral leadership development. And it's really to align that each individual's kind of internal compass, their core values with the work they're going to do both at Mendoza in their MBA degree and beyond. And I think that sends a, send a pretty strong signal that we want you to, to really have that kind of internal and external alignment for yourself and for your career so that you're really able to be the best version of yourself. I know that sounds maybe a little bit uh, hokey or cheesy, but this idea that we really want this this to be you authentically when you bring yourself to work. The research that I look at has really highlighted the importance of having authentic leaders. People where they're, as a friend of mine likes to say, where the audio matches the video, right? Mm. And and we really want our students at, who walk in on day one at Notre Dame to feel that we're committed to helping them do that. None of us is perfect all the time, but we can work on that and we can also work on creating a community that makes it easier and, uh, and strengthens them in their own path to get there. And then, of course, hopefully they'll walk out the door and, and create environments in their own workplaces that make it easier for other employees to do the same. And Chris, you know, there's this endless debate. It occurs in entrepreneurship as well as ethics. And it goes something like this. Can you really teach ethics or is it something that you really learn in the home with your parents and your family? What do you say? Well, this is an exciting time to be studying ethics. Uh, while ethics is an age-old philosophical debate, and that was my original training, you do run into this issue of how does culture, religion, all these other experiences kind of wire into us, kind of our, our ethical makeup and the way we make decisions. It's clearly that ethics is learned. Now, whether it can be taught is, a, is another question that we can come back to in a minute. But in my own path, I stepped out of uh, philosophy after a master's degree and, and did my PhD work on the neuroscience of ethical decision-making. And this work in neuroscience has really kind of highlighted that pretty much across cultures for most of the human population, we're all kind of wired the same way. You can think about it this way. We all have the same kind of hardware. One of the ways that this has been described is that much like all of us are, all of us are wired to learn a language, the particular language we learn is based on our cultural background. So the way I talk about this, since I do a lot of sessions these days, not just at Notre Dame, but also with companies and in Silicon Valley, it's as if the human being, as human beings, we all share the same hardware, but our cultural experiences is different software. So when I teach ethics, then am I really trying to reprogram the hardware or am I going to tap into something deep about the human hardware? And I'm going to try in, in, even if I only have seven weeks, for example, or I have 15 weeks in a course, or even with each you know session I do, whether it's 90 minutes or 120 minutes, how do I tap in in a deep way to the, the hardware that makes us uh, human beings that crave community, we crave purpose, we crave a sense of agency that we can make an impact on our world, and tap into those kind of core motivations. Right. So what do you experience in that first week as a, as a newly minted MBA student who arrives on campus? What kind of exercises do you bring people through to make it apparent that ethical leadership is important and, and in fact can be cultivated and developed. 
Well, I think one of the things we're trying to do is in that first week where, yes, you're getting settled in and, and, and much of this is social so that you can feel connected to your, to your fellow classmates is we want to create some space for reflection, but not just solitary reflection. It's really more reflecting together. And this has the benefit of kind of pausing to look back on why you are at this moment who has helped you get here, recognize the leaders that have supported you, but then also share that with each other. So you can see that everyone has, is in some sense standing on the shoulders or has benefited from those types of, of leaders and people in their lives. And then we want to look at, okay, what are those things that are driving me? And at Notre Dame, you know, we're the fighting Irish. And so we do a session on values uh, in that first week, a whole day. And the two big questions are values are what matters most. So the questions become what matters most and who matters most. Mm. And it, a lot of it starts with introspection, really. Mm-hmm. And, and but getting some sense of by looking at past experiences, like we can look at what are the things that just really make you angry. Like the, our, the center that I run at Notre Dame just looked at some of the research on moral anger and that, how that's really fuel. What makes you angry is something that crosses the line and what matters to you, or what your values are. So how do you understand to how to tap into that is something that says, I'm not going to tolerate that. I want to make it better here. And so as the fighting Irish, we flip it around to say it's not just what matters most, who matters most, what are you fighting for, who are you fighting for, and how does that question not just become something you think about outside of work, but when you walk into a work, how are, how are you going to think about what are my core principles that I fight for, what do I stand for, and then also who are the stakeholders that I'm really fighting for, not just to please my boss, but bigger than that, my, my colleagues, my customers, my clients, and even the larger social good. Are there sessions that some people find challenging? Absolutely. I think in the beginning, though, before we get into maybe some of the hotter button issues, right? We really want to create a sense of uh, the research term would be psychological safety, where everyone feels that they can voice honestly and authentically, and that before anyone tries to maybe criticize it or comment on it, you seek understanding first. And that's why in our first session, we, we focus on having everybody voice quite a bit. It is not being lectured at. It is about lots of roundtable conversation. But then we follow that with uh, a session on empathy. And empathy is my core research area. Good, the good news is that we are wired to be empathic and we can develop empathy. And there are specific things you can do. So we see empathy as this core skill for values-based leaders. And so when you create a con- climate of safety and empathy, the the difficulty kind of goes down because people know that it's not so much about, am I right, but am I trying to voice in a way that I'm heard and that other people hear me? Empathy is a really interesting word, and it's a word that's come up increasingly when people talk about leadership in more recent years, much less so previously in the management literature. Why is empathy so important? Well, if we look at the neuroscience of empathy, which is something that has been quite a bit of research over the last several years. Empathy is quite exciting because it taps into three parts of the human brain. We call these the mental trilogy, which is thinking, feeling, and wanting. It's the kind of only construct or circuitry, so to speak, in the brain that kind of taps into understanding someone else's thoughts, understanding someone's feelings, and understanding someone's motivations. How important it is for a leader to not just know what they think, feel, and want, but to understand what they're you know, clients and customers feel and want, but even more important, what their people, their employees. And so those are three different types of empathy that we can work on. And we find that it's really exciting for people to start to say, okay, empathy is not sympathy. It's not feeling for someone or compassion or feeling with someone. It's really about, do I pause and say, the way that I understand the world is not the only way. Because empathy at its most basic is standing under 
someone else's experience. It's hard to do. I tell all my students, my pet peeve is that I never want them to say, uh, I know exactly how you feel because I don't think any of us can fully understand exactly how anyone feels, but I want us to try. And the two things that I find that are most helpful there are you have to be humble, which is to say, again, it's not my only, my view is not the only view. And they have to be deeply curious. You know, almost you get so excited about meeting these new people you're with, whether that's your new classmates at Notre Dame or your new colleagues at work. Right. And yet when I think about empathy, I, I, the word that immediately pops into my head is caring. But it doesn't seem that you define the word to include caring, do you? I don't. And that comes out of the research that highlights that empathy is, is really about that first step of understanding another. And then the question is, does that understanding lead to care or concern? So there's distinctions in the research on empathy versus empathic concern. You know, there's some criticism for empathy to say that it's incomplete, which I totally agree. I think empathy has to be paired with compassion. But I also think if you start acting with compassion without pausing to empathize with someone, you may actually, in your efforts to care for someone, you may care in the way that you'd like to be cared for as opposed to the way that they would like to be cared for. That makes sense, I think, of in the workplace, but also in our significant relationships as well. We all have different kind of languages, so to speak, of how we like to be supported and cared for. True. You know, uh, one of the interesting things, I think, for a lot of people who uh, come into a business program at school, uh, some of them actually come into it a little skeptical. And here's what I mean by that. They have this stereotypical view of an MBA as a person who's sharp elbowed and kind of greedy and interested only in money. And the last thing you would think about is ethics and values. Now, we know, in fact, that that's not true at all. But I, but I wonder to what extent do you encounter those attitudes in your in your classrooms and in the first week in particular of the MBA program when when you have a lot of newbies and they may be from you know other worlds that are outside the business world and they're, and they're just a little skeptical. We definitely have students who are skeptical, and sometimes that skepticism comes from previous workplace experiences or previous cultures they've been in. And usually, that skepticism is that comes from they've seen those who are successful be driven primarily by their own self-interest. And yet, when we reflect on people that we've wanted to work with, and actually the people that have helped us be the best version of ourselves, maybe the highest performing version of ourselves, we see that it's actually not the self-interested people who truly get us there. So when we think about leadership, we know that it's it's more of the other interested. You know, we talk really importantly about how trust is this bedrock principle in all of commerce, right? And the four key ingredients to trust are you got to tell the truth, you got to do it consistently, right? You've got to be competent, you got to be able to do good work. I can get everybody to agree on those three things. But that last one is the one you hit earlier, which is I trust you if I know that you're not just concerned about yourself, but you're concerned for me. You look for the win-win. But we try to make sure that it's not an either-or. It's not like, oh, if I'm concerned about others, I'm not concerned about myself. These two things can go together. We're wired as human beings to be both competitive and altruistic. That's what the research kind of highlights. So it's less about pick one, but more about integrating them both. Now, at Mendoza, you don't close the door on ethics after the first week. No, absolutely not. (laughs) So tell us what you do throughout the um, the curriculum. So I think one of the exciting things that we do in, in our curriculum is just to finish off on the curriculum and we'll talk about extracurriculars, but we invite our students to dive deeper into ethics in an area of their own interest. So after everyone takes the seven-week course on ethical leadership in their very first seven weeks, you know, late August to, to uh, the early October – 
Then throughout the rest of their time in the program, whether they're in the one or two year program, they get to choose from a mix of ethics electives that can be by their industry. There may be ethics in finance or ethics in marketing, but there might be other issues like ethics in emerging markets or ethics in sustainability. So they're able to kind of follow their own interest or passion but it, it, around that theme of ethical leadership, building off the first course. That's pretty rare when you look at the curriculum of the top 25 programs, but so essential. So people can dive deeper in the ways that they find valuable. Now, every semester at Notre Dame, we have an incredible, I mean, every week, uh, different speakers on campus that are touching on the themes of, of ethics, both inside Mendoza and beyond. The center that I run um, conducts several speaker series in both the fall and spring semesters. But when we do speaker series, this is not just walking to the auditorium. Students are invited to, to sit down and actually have dinners. We have 20 students around a table with the guest speakers and even can schedule one-on-ones with those speakers if they'd like to. We really want the speakers who come in, even if they're very successful in their particular walk of life, to really seem human. And so we want to create the kind of human moments where the students can have that proximity to the speakers. It's something that Mendoza really tries to signal in everything with classes or, or extracurriculars, that it's about that those relationships you develop outside of the classroom that are just as important. And ethical issues are often considered soft, yep. not hard, but actually they can be quite hard. Absolutely. Right? I mean, if you one way to make an ethical issue hard is to look at the you know how ethical behavior or the lack thereof has all these ripple effects towards, say, an individual or organizational performance metrics. And so this this is actually an exciting part about my two roles here at Notre Dame. Not only am I teaching our undergrads and MBAs, I'm also running a center where we swim through all of this amazing research that the busy business leader doesn't have time to read. And we look for these great insights around the connection between high-performing individuals and organizations and high-performing ethical individuals, high ethics and organizations. And you see that these two things go hand in hand. And in a world where it is harder for organizations to hide their lack of ethics, uh, in some sense, it's highly, highly visible environment. Ethics is just such a hard issue, not hard in the sense that it's difficult. It's hard in the sense that it, it has hard consequences for these organizations. Hopefully they walk the walk. Yeah. And there are black and white issues that are, that are kind of clear, and then a lot of stuff falls in an ambiguous uh, white space where, you know, the answers aren't as apparent, right? Uh Absolutely. Uh, I think you try to build your uh, your kind of moral thinking, your moral feeling, your moral leadership by focusing on the black and white issues, because sometimes knowing the answer is not not is absolutely necessary, but insufficient. So how do you how do you get it done tactfully? So we focus on that and we use the giving voice to values approach, uh, which is, is has become quite common these days in, in, in businesses and seeing in more in business schools. So when you get to the gray issues, we want to be able to understand that, look, we can have different points of view on this, but as they're motivated by core values, we can actually come together and find some common ground. And in my courses, we actually look at the neuroscience of actually how we find common ground so that there's actually genuine conversation where we hear each other as opposed to from out of the gate, we disagree. And now all of a sudden we're no longer talking to each other. And Chris, at the end of the day, what are you hoping your students take away? Well, at the very least, I, I want them to have, you've heard me say before, a sense of empathy that every person I encounter, I seek to understand them first before I, I, I kind of put them in any sort of box. We have to be really careful as human beings that we don't just kind of see what we want to see or put labels on people. And I think that's just the foundation for making a great human connection, whether it's in a trade or in a workplace or even outside of work. And second, I want them to have a clear sense of what matters most to them, so their values. And again, I try to personalize that so it's not just what matters most, but who matters most. And then lastly, I tell all of my students that 
the two core objectives of my courses, and also I think being a, a, an ethical leader who comes out of Mendoza, is that you will be a person who voices, where, again, to the fighting Irish language, you'll be a person who fights. You won't be a bystander. You won't just watch things happen. You won't just go with the flow. You'll change the flow. But then you'll also, and this part is really important, maybe just as important, you won't just voice yourself, but you'll become someone who's easy for other people to voice to you. How do you send the signals as a leader so that other people know that they can trust you, they can voice their concerns? It's so incredibly important in a world where we all of us can't see everything, but as we see something, we're supposed to say something. Sometimes people don't say something because they're afraid or they feel it won't make a difference. And we really want to create leaders here who will send the signal that they are somebody who will listen and it's safe to voice to them. Chris, now I know why you were named a master teacher of business <laughs> ethics three years ago. Thank you very much. It's very kind of you. Well, Chris, thanks for spending your time thanks with Thanks very us. much, John. Appreciate All it. All the best to you and your work. So that was Chris Atkins, who is the executive director of the Notre Dame Deloitte Center of Ethical Leadership. He teaches ethics and empathy and values-based leadership at the Mendoza College of Business at the University of Notre Dame. This is part of our podcast series on the Mendoza College. Thanks for listening and join us for our other episodes. This is John Byrne with Poets and Quants. <laughs>